Should we and the federal government be afraid of artificial intelligence or are our fears overblown? Last week, the Biden administration, or maybe it was a week and a half ago, the Biden administration released their executive order around safety and security around artificial intelligence. And they're taking a very broad view of artificial intelligence. A lot of times when we're talking about AI, we talk about it in terms of generative AI like chat GPT, because that's what's caught our imaginations. And, you know, the tech industry has done a great job of promoting that particular form of AI uh, over the last year and really excited, getting people excited about it uh, through the innovations that it could possibly offer in productivity and also uh, amplifying the fear around AI. I mean, the, the, when you have the head or the chief operating officer of open AI going around saying that these AI bots could literally wipe out humanity someday, um, that's going to raise some fears. But it's also great publicity because there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing like a, a good fear-mongering headline to get a click and promote your awareness about your product. So um, so that's where we're at, we are at with uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT and the rise of artificial intelligence. We're about a year in. It's already November 2023, a year to the date since uh, ChatGPT 3.5 was unveiled and released to the world with no particular fanfare. Uh, by OpenAI and it caught, uh, it went viral as it were. And by January, uh, people were talking about it and expressing their concerns and worries and optimism and debating how this was going to impact society. Now, a year later, the Biden administration releases a, this executive order, which I'm not going to go into. I definitely recommend reading the summary of the executive order um, and also the AI Bill of Rights that's tangential to it, um, that's kind of informing that executive directive, which is basically uh, requiring a lot of cabinet agency cabinets, which is basically which is basically uh, which is basically directing a lot of cabinet level positions to begin investigating the impact of AI on society and coming up with a list of recommendations and policy uh, proposals to address and mitigate the dangers. And the dangers range in scope, right? Uh, everything from synthesized uh, artwork and literature and how that's going to impact uh, copyright and um, whether or not we need to be watermarking these products so people, uh, so it's transparent what you're purchasing or what you're uh, referring to when you're uh, engaging with a text, whether it's a visual text or a uh, written text, to um, making sure biases are not um, influencing more, you know, approvals for mortgages or, or housing or anything like that. Because, you know, these bots are modeled on us and we're full of biases. So these bots are full of biases as well. But I think the one piece that caught my attention the most from this executive order was the security aspect. Um, there's a section where they talk about dual use foundational models. So for th those who don't know, a foundational model is basically the large, uh, large language models like chat GPT, which have a huge database, a lot of thousands of parameters, things like that. And so, uh, that's really what a large foundational model is. And what the foundational part of the foundational model means that you can make smaller versions of it based on that model, uh, that can do very much more focused tasks. Um, 
So there's uh, this concept called auto GPT, where you take that large chat GPT language model and you create a smaller, more focused uh, tool out of it that can do vacation planning for you or uh, help you with your uh, budgeting or whatever, however you program it and design it. It can uh, do a focused task to help you with your productivity. Um, and so that's when they talk about foundational models. That's the large, it's the foundation where you're building off smaller models. And I'll, another great example of, of this concept is and how AI is changing uh, that I want to briefly talk about before uh, diving into the security aspect is how, how capitalism is working within this domain as well. So let's look at um, the Bing bot. Years ago, well, when, years ago, it feels like years ago, about a year ago when it first came out and the Bing bot was released, I was playing with it and having it write summaries of videos for this podcast and others uh, just to see how it would work and see if it would be a useful tool. And it would do that. Now, if you go to it and ask it to do that, it will refuse and it will direct you to a website that will do some video summaries for you. And then, of course, you get two free ones and then they charge you. So, uh there is a capitalist aspect, a business model underneath it, as as you would expect with a tech company. So we can expect these language models to change and how these foundational models uh, are going to be used to create business enterprise. Uh, it's already being done, and uh, we just need to be aware of, of how that's being used. But so we now hopefully understand what these, you know, foundational models are and the dual with the executive order talks about is dual use foundational models dual use really means it could be used for good like increasing productivity uh, helping us with research uh, proofreading documents for us helping us write emails all those uh, good uses right good uses to help us with productivity i think we'd all appreciate that but then there's also the other part of the dual use which is the bad actors the people who might use this technology for um for harm to harm other people and so there's definitely in terms of the dual use foundational models in the executive order a concern around security and making sure that organizations who are developing these models are using red teaming which is a way of just attacking the model to try and identify vulnerabilities so that you can patch those up and strengthen them um, so there's a requirement to do that and, and develop reports and report those back to the government. Um, so we're going to probably see more regulation around red teaming and uh, making sure these models are secure, especially as they advance. And I think that is a, a key point of this. It's not like there's a the worry is about the current state of these large language models. The worry is about the future because the we're at the very infancy of artificial intelligence and generative AI, which are different, right? Artificial intelligence is a term that broadly speaks to a lot of machine learning, um, whereas generative AI is very specific. And I, another benefit of the executive order from the Biden administration is that it does provide a lot of definitions that you can go look at to understand what exactly is generative AI from the government's perspective, what is artificial intelligence, what is machine learning. You can go look at that document and find all kinds of uh, really useful definitions, which I'm not going to go into here. But getting back to the dual use generative models and safety, it is very clear from that document that one thing they are concerned about 
are the are there impacts of on cybersecurity? Uh, can these large models be used to attack infrastructure, um, uh, tech infrastructure to uh, hack into government computers, business computers, so forth? So that's going to be one area that we're going to probably see a lot of attention paid to. And, you know, the, the cybersecurity market is blowing up. Kids, if you're looking for a job, cybersecurity is the future. I feel like the guy from The Graduate who's like, the future is plastics. <laughs> no, the future is cybersecurity. So uh, go into cybersecurity if you want a really secure job. Uh, there's going to be plenty out there and it's in a growing market and there's not enough people in the cybersecurity place to fill all the vacancies. So definitely career opportunities there, especially because of uh, large language models and generative AI. Uh, it's going to make um, those jobs even more important because there is a fear, and whether we know yet whether it's justified or not, about whether these tools can be used to start hacking other people's computers and systems and databases. And of course, the other fear around security is uh, biological warfare. We're just coming out of the pandemic. So uh, can somebody create a virus that uh, could start another pandemic based on information that they get from a large language model? Um, can somebody create a sarin gas or a nuclear warhead or a small nuclear weapon? Um, are there ways that terrorists and bad actors and insane people can get a hold of information and instructions to create devices or biological agents that could do mass harm. Now, there's two sides to this uh, debate. Uh, one is, yes, there, there's fear around it. And some say, well, maybe the fear is a little bit overblown. So I want to point to an article um, or a study that was posted in the Effective Altruism Forum. Um, and it's called, Will Releasing the Weights of Large Language Models Grant Widespread Access to Pandemic Agents? It's written by Jeff Kaufman, uh, who conducted the study. You can go read it yourself uh, if you look it up online, or I'll also post it in uh, a link to it in the show notes. So important piece of this is um, they took two language models, one that they called the base language model, um, which has all what are called the weights in place to safeguard a bot from um, responding to nefarious uh, prompts, right? So we know now when we work with AI uh, or generative AI, these these diff different large language models, we're, we're going in and prompting it with questions. And there's a whole industry emerging around how to um, craft certain prompts to get the right information that you want out of these models. It's becoming a, a, a whole practice unto itself where you can take classes in it and uh, learn how to get more effective information out of these uh, agents or AI agents. So one of, so definitely that's something to look into as well. Um, but the base, but there's, so they use the base pot, which have all the weights in place and all those safeguards. And a weight is, uh, it was basically, you can think of a weight as a safeguard. It's a way that they tune uh, these um, large language models so that they, again, don't give out uh, information that could be harmful or damaging um, to people uh, when they're interacting with them. Then they uh, took another model and took the weights off. And uh, they called this the spicy bot. I like that term, spicy bots. I want a spicy bot too. <laughs> um, but this one, they prompted it with uh, questions about how to get 
um, the span, uh, how to get the ingredients or the directions for how to create another Spanish flu influenza virus. And the spicy bot provided them with all the instructions and information they would need to, to recreate that virus, um, and cause another pandemic. So lots of implications here, right? Lots of things to, to think about. One, is the government correct in their fear? If, if this is the case, if they did this in one experiment, of course, it needs to be replicated. They even say in their abstract, it didn't happen with everybody who used the spicy bot. It was just some of the um, uh, people in this hackathon that they uh, conducted. But the fact that it happened with even a few should raise some concerns. And it's important to note also getting back to something I said earlier, that they're not talking about the current large language models. The real concern is that future language models, large language models that will have more access to information, be more sophisticated in how it delivers the information, will become more dangerous if the weights are are visible and transparent. So the fear, again, is can people go in, identify those weights, remove them from the bot, and then create the spicy bot, which will then provide uh, harmful information. Seems like a lot to go through uh, to get an AI bot uh, to provide that information. I guess that is one of the criticisms of this uh, fear is that, well, a lot of this stuff is already accessible. You don't really need a large language model to um, look up how to create uh, certain poisons or viruses or sarin gas or uh, different things. The, the information is actually out there um, and, and not too hard to find, especially if you're on the dark web or there's some of it's printed in books too. So, um, so and that in order to create some of these um, viruses and things, you you do need some expert knowledge. Even if the large language model were to spit out a, a, a pamphlet full of very explicit directions, would you would a novice uh, really be able to make sense of all that uh, information? Because if they make one mistake, it's not going to work. So is there a fear there? They'd also need access to the technology and the labs to to construct something like this. So is this fear overblown? I don't know. I think um, I think it's a fear that we need to pay attention to. Um, maybe it is a little bit overblown. Um, but the fact that the potential is still there for it to contribute to the development of these kind of devices, something definitely we should look at. And I think the government's right in examining that. Um, maybe in 20 years, we'll look back and, back and say, boy, that was an overblown fear. We, we wasted a lot of time worrying about that. Or we might look back 20 years later and say, boy, I'm glad we did that uh, because some people did manage to hack these bots and, and create some da dangerous things and caused harm to some people. And uh, maybe we should have spent more time worrying about that. Who knows what the future uh, holds with this? Uh, we're going to keep monitoring the development of these, this AI space, uh, and especially in terms of the lens of leadership and sense making. And since this is the most disruptive technology on the horizon, we'll keep uh, discussing it uh, and discussing different aspects of it in terms of policy, government regulation, leadership, uh, and sense making. And so again, I'll just conclude with say, by saying read that executive order from the Biden administration. Lots of good information there if you're a company working or a, an agency working with AI or wanting to learn more about the government response 
response to artificial intelligence. It's all outlined there. And I do predict that we're going to see a new layer of bureaucracy start to emerge around AI experts in government organizations because they're going to be needed to help guide the government in the ethical use and application of AI bots. So, or and large language models, and again, not just uh, generative AI, but also predictive AI and all the different other forms of artificial intelligence that uh, is emerging in our world today and making our lives uh, seem like science fiction novels. So, have a good day. If you uh, have something to share regarding this conversation, please post it in the comments, uh, like and subscribe, and uh, we'll see you on the next micro episode of the Sense and Signal podcast.